Simon Wollstonecroft is a drummer from Manchester. His first band at school was with Ian Brown and John Squire. His second band became The Smiths. He played with The Fall for 11 years and continues to play drums for Manchester bands today. Johnny Marr nicknamed him Funky Sai. This is Funky Sai's A to Z of Manchester. Hi Simon, you okay? I'm fine, Jackie. I'm a bit sad today because Steve Priest, bass player from The Sweet, passed away. They had a massive influence on me this week when I was from the age of 10, 1972, 73, 74, bought all the records, all the singles. There were a lot of things, Sweet, they changed the style over the years. They did a bit of soul before they got into the big pop stuff that they ended up doing, you know, the Wigwam Bams, the Teenage Rampages, Hellraiser. And, of course, Love Is Like Oxygen, which was the biggest success of all for them, um, number one in America. Yeah, he was, what a character he was. They said, they said he, well, he looked like he was built like a, a brick uh, hod carrier, you know, <laughs> uh, Steve. And it, it, he liked camping it up, as you know, always wearing makeup. But I remember seeing him on TV, on Top of the Pops, thinking, God, look at that, you know. That is just weird, you know, because he, he looked like a... a, a Brit layer dressed up with all this makeup on him. He had a weird-looking bass as well. You don't see many of them uh, now, like a vintage bass. I, don't, I wish you knew what they were called, but I'll find out. My mum, she bought me a Sweet Fanny Adams album. It must have been 73, I think. That was the first album I ever had of my own. And she bought it. I had pictures of the band on the wall. I never got to see him because I was too young. When I was old enough, there was about three versions of the sweet, <laughs> sweet one with Andy Scott. Sweet S- too. Sweetie. <laughs> well, it was just sweet, not the sweet. That's the, the name of them. But uh, So what a shame you never got to see them live. No, I did get a chance to go and see uh, a gig at the Palace Theatre with Andy Scott. I think Steve Priest was playing. That must have been about three years ago. But I just bolted at the ticket price, really. It was a lot of money, and uh, it just wasn't... I knew it wouldn't be the same as no. it was, you know, when they were in, the, in their pomp. Yeah, so a bit sad about that, but otherwise I'm OK. Looking forward to getting back in the studio this weekend. This is our fourth week, so I think... Are we on letter D? We are, OK, yeah, so what's, yeah. your, what's your first D? Well, I might as well start off with Dunham Forest Golf Club. Dunham being a little area just past Altrincham, where where I'm from, and on a Saturday, Ian Brown and I were going to earn a bit of money, one pound eighty, I think it was, for a round, doing uh, caddying at Dunham Forest Golf Club, which uh, lasted all day, well most of the day, but we get there early, about seven a.m. or even earlier. Uh, it'd be a group of lads there hoping to get hired for the day. And then all of a sudden, this stable door, the top half of it would open up. <laughs> this little old bloke who looked like Steptoe out Steptoe and so, <laughs> uh, with a cap on and a white coat. It, it was like the clubhouse, uh, you know, where they kept the equipment. Uh, right, I'll have you, 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 uh, and it'd be like that. Fortunately, m- most weeks, me and Ian got the gig. But a lot of lads had to go home with no money in the pocket. You know, total waste of time. But, uh, yeah, we, I did it for about a year and a half. It must have, it was uh, 1975, 
Must have been. So how old were you then? 15, I think. Okay. Yeah. Hang on, 63, 74. No, no, 74, I went to school. So we basically started then, aged 11, 11 and 12, 13 maybe. I mean, child labour laws. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we're a bit older. Yeah. Yeah, we were because we used the money to buy punk rock records. Right, so it was... Like Anarchy in the UK. Yeah. Of which they had a whole stack in Woolworths in Altrincham, 29 Beach. (laughs) 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 Wish I got a suitcase full of them. (laughs) Um, But um, that's what we spent the money on. One day we we did charity, you know, matches. I I was looking after Farouk Engineer... Cricketer, Indian cricketer, very good. And Ian was looking after this uh, major general or colonel um, whose clubs were covered with um, puppets of the Muppets. You know, his club covers. <laughs> and he pass, pass me, my, what's he called? One of the Muppets. Pass me Miss Piggy, will you? <laughs> you know, so Ian. Are you sure this isn't another one of your dreams? No, no. We didn't advise him on the shot, you know. <laughs> <to make. laughs> Um, and they, they always tip well, these guys, you know, over there. Uh, I don't know, I think it was a private club. But just down the road, another day, Dunham Village Hall, we started the patrol at school. Then we were 15 when we started uh, playing youth clubs, Lim Youth Club, the Annex in Sale, Portland Bars in Manchester, supporting the Alarm. Oh, wow, I, I love the Alarm. Yeah, in 1980. This was another gig that we did. Normally, women's institution <laughs> meetings, <laughs> women's institute meetings. Normally, you know, that, and you that, lot rock up, rock and roll mayhem. Oh no! Uh, we had a big gang from Stratford of punks, you know, black leather jackets with lots of studs and spiky hair, Mohicans. They all used to come down. They used to follow us all around. It was great. Uh, Gary Wilkinson. He, learnt, he taught me to drive in his Mini Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> and he got stopped once. <laughs> and he had a crash. And the, this copper pulled him so it looks like he got his sideways. <laughs> <laughs> the worrying thing is, he was teaching you how to drive. <laughs> well, I passed first time, Jackie. <laughs> well, he did a great job. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we had our own songs, 25 Rifles, Jail of the Assassins, um, which we did a recording of, a place called Green, a vegetarian restaurant way before its time on Great Western Street, and above, the, above the restaurant. It was Greenhouse Studios. It was about 50 or 60 quid to record there. We did two tracks. Um, we had a song called The Right Charlie which Ian had wrote after seeing um, a clip on News of Ten of Prince Charles crossing the picket line in a miners' strike in Yorkshire. Um, You're Laughing Now was another one. We did a cover of Johnny Be Good, Chuck Berry. We did a cover of Stepping Stone, but like the Pistols did it, not like the original, you know. Very punky. And we did Blockbuster by The Sweet. Uh, Fantastic. Once I'd seen that on TV, um, that's... No, I really wanted to play the drums. The next day, Decibel Studios in Ancoats on Jersey Street. Now, it's not there anymore because it's probably a block of flats by now. Every other mill building there is. It was above where Sankey's Soap was, is, might be again, who knows. 
on the second or third floor, and we used to go rehearsing there with Johnny there and Andy Rourke with Freak Party, which I'll mention in the Fs a bit more. That's where we look for a singer. And so did you get people to come and audition for you there? We did. We had a guy called Wade Jacks, who he said, they call me Donkey. That's what he said. <laughs> which we just couldn't get over. We couldn't get that out of our minds. <laughs> I think it's because he looked like a donkey. <laughs> but, so um, he thought but, that was going to impress you in some way. That's the hilarious thing. But you I think, thought, I think he probably did. And then Thinking you thought, back, no, you're out. Yeah, as soon as good. he said it. No. He was singing um, The Flowers of Romance by Public Image Limited. Oh, yes. I don't know that Johnny asked him to sing that. Or he said, go on, do you know any songs that you can sing? And we'll play along, you know, to it. Either way, he didn't get the gig. No. But we had about three or four or five people come down. We got into a bit, bit of bother there, the three of us. Uh, and we had to lay low for a bit, or Johnny <laughs> did. But it's all in my butt, that. I won't go into that here. Did you ever um, try and get a female singer? Or uh, was that never a, an idea? Not with, not with Freak Party, no. No, it never even occurred to us. Seems that a lot more girls, you know, girl singers now than ever before. But I'm all for it. I'm working with one now. Uh, Jasmine Needham, who's good singing on this track I'm doing for San Pedro Collective. Just the, you know, just the one track. Just seems strange that you wouldn't even consider. Sure, uh, I don't know why that might be. There was Blondie was you know riding the airways, wasn't she? Yeah, and the Pretenders, you Pretenders, know. Pretenders, yeah, the Slits. So it's not like Fuzzbox, who we mentioned. Yeah, that you didn't have girls who wanted to do it. Yeah, no, I just think there's more of them now. I, I, I think that I do. And so, anybody else that came to audition for you, what was what was wrong with them? Did you just do you just know that they're yeah, not going to? Yeah, you just know, right? You know, straight away. I think that's the same. You know, if you hear a record for the first time, you know, on the radio, you know, you just know, you know, straight away, within ten seconds. Uh, Johnny went away for a few months, and then he rang me back up and said, "Sigh, I've got a new band." Um, now it's his band, you know. Mm. We're called the Smiths. It's this guy, Stephen Patrick Morrissey, who I'd never heard of. Uh, I didn't buy the Melody Maker. I think he, I used to get Enemy, if any of them. But he wrote for them doing reviews. Anyway, Johnny knew him. It was Andrew Berry who introduced Morrissey to Mar and was the conduit. Anyway, I had sort of a few addiction problems, I'll be honest with you, back then. So the last thing I wanted to do was be in a freezing cold room in Ancoats for no money. Was this guy who walked in and he just didn't, I just didn't like the cut of his jib. It was as simple as that. You know, you do make first impressions. They do count, I think. He didn't look at me in the eye or anything. And then when he started singing, oh, you know, about the Moors murders, you know, what, just not a nice topic. I was into ABC. You wanted to get poppy. I did. Yeah, look, I love pop music. Gold yeah. lame. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, he just didn't do it for me and he begged me to do it and tried to bribe me. They both did, uh, which I didn't know Morrissey did, but according to Johnny's book, Set the Boy Free, they both wanted me, but I just didn't fancy it. But if Andy Rourke had been there, bass player of the Smiths, of course, it might have all been different because he had a bit of the... He has got the funk, Andy, but the kid who was doing it, he wasn't as good as Andy. That's why they got rid of him. 
and Andy came in eventually. But if Andy had been there that day, I may have had a mansion in Cheshire, you know, who knows? Wasn't to be. <laughs> so that was uh, Decibel Studios. And we did a recording, and it's on, uh, it's called Crack Therapy. And is there no singer with that? No. Right. It's very similar to what Andy would play on Barbarism Begins at Home, one, one of the Smith songs that's quite funky, well, very funky. So if you, if you know that song, that's what we sounded like. A bit like a certain ratio as well, except we didn't have a singer. And when Morrissey did come and Johnny changed the name, it just didn't, uh, wasn't the same. There was no funk anymore. No, no, it wasn't. So, uh, yeah, I moved on. The next D is going to be um, D for Dolomite. Lovely looking cars. Triumphs, and I love watching old episodes of The Sweeney because uh, I always spot, you know, Triumphs in it. Well, in fact, I always spot loads of cars that I had, and my dad. <laughs> I used to, well, I, I had this Triumph. I must have been 20 or 21 when I got it. Either way, I went to the rehearsals for Terry Hall down to Coventry. In it, I used to go on a Monday morning, come back Friday. It was midwinter, I remember. It was like being in Star Trek, you know, on the M6. <laughs> Snow coming at you. <laughs> it really was <laughs> quite exciting. But the problem was, my engine blew up after about the second or third week. And the Terry's manager said, his wife, I think it was, said, "Right, we'll pay. For, we'll take it to this garage. We know, we'll, you know, it's eight hundred quid <laughs> for the engine or uh, the big end or whatever." <laughs> so all the money that he earned down there, I had to. Uh, by this engine because they're not very reliable triumphs. No. My mum had a Triumph Herald, very stylish, but just rubbish engines. They're not for long journeys, though, are they? That's the problem. No, Triumph Stag, the Triumph 2000 was a pretty good one, had a bigger engine. I think they were a bit more reliable. I had a Toledo, that was rubbish as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, but we won't be getting a job on Top Gear any day. No, no. probably not. But we used to call it the White Chariot. But uh, Morrissey and Sandy Shaw um, both got... I've had them in the back. They were playing at the Free Trade Hall in the late 80s, it must have been, or 86. But they came on pick, from Piccadilly train station. I think Johnny said, can you go and pick them up? And Morrissey, he loved the car. I was only going half a mile to the Free Trade Hall across town, but he was stroking the... Uh, fake walnut dashboard. I said, oh, it's a lovely piece of wood, Simon. <laughs> uh, Sandy didn't say much. She was a bit naughtier because I introduced her to my mum after the gig. My mum was dead excited because I remember her playing a puppet on a string, the Eurovision Song Contest winner. And uh, when I was young, and so she was absolutely in awe. I'd never seen her like this, my mum. You know, she's from Yorkshire, from a mining town. <laughs> and, uh, she, and she said, oh, my mum said to Sandy, oh, I used to be a big fan of yours. And she went, snap back, yeah, so what happened then? Like that. <laughs> Cut her down. Oh, dear. But my mum took it on the chin, you know, because she could. Because she was from Yorkshire. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was an interesting night, that. Johnny's parents were there. I think Andy's were too. You know, his dad. Much merriment was had <laughs> in the triumph. <laughs> I don't know what I got after that. Uh, might have been the Zats and Laurel. 
which is featured on the cover of Dub Sex's uh, Swerve album. What, uh, your actual car? And me. Oh, OK. <laughs> yeah. Shot under the bridge in Cornbrook. I think it's Swerve, the name of the album. My next D is the Doc, Tommy Doherty. Um, who used to manage Manchester United, of course, and in the days that I used to go to the Stretford Paddock on my own, on the bus. <laughs> Three quid, I think it was, you know, to get in there. Loved it. You know, the atmosphere, the smells, the sounds. <laughs> Very tribal, isn't it, football? Yeah, I love it. You know, football crowds. Well, when most home games for a couple of seasons, you know, in the late 70s, they got to the FA Cup final, United, in 77, couldn't get tickets for love nor money. Now, living in Altrincham, I, I just I don't know how, but I knew where he lived, in Hale Barnes, which was about a mile away. And I went round with um, a letter saying, you know, I wonder if you can help me out, Tommy. <laughs> uh, posted it. He, he did get back to me, wrote back to me, but he never got me tickets. But it was nice, I had a, some headed notepaper off Tommy saying, good luck with your search, Simon, all the best for the future. Well, bless him for writing back to you. Yeah, I know. I don't go anymore. Well, nobody is, are they? But, <laughs> <laughs> but I've seen Man City, if I'm honest, more times over the last 10 years than I have United. Well, you've got to watch a better team, you see, that's yeah, why. Yeah, well, uh, you know, it'll come round for United. They've been doing it a long, long time, Jackie, and it does come full circle. Yeah, so have City. Don't, get, don't start now. <laughs> <laughs> Liverpool are having, well, they were having their time. Yeah, Liverpool they? need to back off a bit and let us have a bit more time. <laughs> Well, somebody will step up to it. I hope I it's United. I actually quite like the competition. I don't like. I don't like a season that runs away with. You know, when you know at Christmas. No, no it's all over. That's no good for me. No, I know. I want you know there to be a bit of a battle. Of course. But I still want us to win, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But well, I do want to have a bit of something. I live with a Liverpool fan, so you can imagine in this house right. for the last couple of seasons. It's been ecstatic. Oh, it's been crazy. They have been very good. But uh, my favourite player United had wasn't George Best, though I loved him. And uh, I did meet him in a studio in down south with Marquis Smith doing an interview. It was BSB Sky, who were a cable channel, and they had weird, they used to sell weird square air. I remember, yeah. On the side of your house. Yeah. Um, he wasn't drinking, George, that night. But uh, it was Cristiano Ronaldo, for me, was uh, the best player I've seen, you know. Yeah. Just amazing. He still is, though, Ronaldo. I know. It's incredible, isn't it? It is. You know, he's kept it up still. I mean, I'm a City fan, and we've obviously had some great City players. We always get little terrier types. That's what I like about them. They're always little, and, you know, they're like Jack Russells. They just never want to give up. Like Paul Scholes. Not like Paul Scholes, no. (laughs) He's a little terrier type. (laughs) He is a bit of a little terrier type. But my my favourite player... The player that I saw live on a pitch that I that made me stop yeah. was Eric Cantona. He had some he, style, didn't he? He was unbelievable. And, I mean, that's me watching a derby game that we lost. I could not believe what I was watching. I mean, it's like when I was telling my dad, because he saw uh, George Best, and he said George Best was the same. He was head and shoulders above everybody else sure. on the pitch. Yeah. Um, but Eric Cantona, it was like he was going in slow motion. I kept thinking, does everybody else stop around him? What's going on? He was the last rock and roll footballer, really. And he's just so great. I mean, I loved him so much. Even though he was a United player, I could you can't help but love him, can you? No. When he used to put his collar up and all that, oh, strut around. You know. Well, that's what he did when, <laughs> when they scored. 
Very I mean, theatrical. Yeah, and he just stood and stared up into the air and I thought, well, you, you've got to love that man. I thought it was good in Liam Gallagher's video. Yes. Um, that song, that he, it was, yeah. it's got a crown on, hasn't it? And his videos. Well, he's the king, isn't he? King, he is the king. king. Yeah, but all his videos that he does, they're always great. <laughs> we love Eric. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Yeah, the next letter is the Dry Bar, which is a sister bar to the Hacienda, which was opened in the mid-90s, I think. Shut now, of course. Um, we used to go in there before we went out anywhere. Not all the time. But one Tuesday afternoon, I went in there with Mark e. Smith. Mm-hmm. And it's empty, apart from Leroy, our mate, who, who used to run it. And he ran the bar at the Hass. Great, lovely lad he is. He was there on his own, Mick Hucknell. Now... I'm a massive fan of his voice. My mum loved him, you know, absolutely loved him. But I got to meet him and what a disappointment it was for me. We sat on these uh, settees, me and Mark, having a pint. And he's on this other chair. He comes over. Mark knows him, Mick Hucknell. He'd give him a break when he was in the frantic elevators in the late 70s. And Mark has to go downstairs, you know, to the bog. Leaves me and Mick alone. What do I talk about, you know? Not going to fawn all over him, so I just went with, how about the Man United day? Did you see him the other night? And he just turned on me. Is that the best you can do? And it, and it was a bit like Mark treated some people. Yes. But, but not me. But <laughs> when he did it to me, Mick Hucknell, it just threw me. And I just thought, gee, what a Burke. <laughs> what a Burke is right. Yeah. Still, you know, if, if his songs come on the radio, sometimes it's still a treat. You don't smash the gaff up, do no, you? <laughs> no, But I've seen him walking around the International uh, Club and the Hacienda. Yeah, he used to have a cane. A ruby top cane what when I seen him. What was that all about? He was just a... He'd he, he landed that big deal, money's too tight to mention, sack his band, you know, get a new band in, strutting around, different leggy blonde every week, you know, fair play. But I was so disappointed when I uh, met him. Uh, rude. There's no need to be rude. rude. But yes. I, I, did, I did hear him on the radio not so long ago, on Radio 2, I think. <laughs> and he said, yeah, I've quietened down a lot now, you know, because um, I've got kids. Maybe you just bumped into him when it was all too much, you know, it had all gone to his head. Yeah, mid-90s. Yeah, maybe. He'd been doing it for 10 years, and not he, making big dough. Maybe, who knows? I don't know. There's no need for rudeness, No need though. for it, Jackie. No, no. absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> the next one, you like this one, <laughs> is Danger Mouse, the cartoon. Excellent. Which you you must have watched. I loved Danger Mouse. Was it good? And Penfold. Just simple, wasn't it? You know, like... Yeah, some... but it had a quirky sense of humour. Yeah. The... And that's what I liked about it. Sensible one, the daft one, the superhero. Yeah. The world's greatest detective, Penfold, wasn't it? Was no, that, that was Danger Mouse. <laughs> <laughs> but it was made here in the northwest as well, wasn't it? <clears throat> it was, at Cosgrove Hall and uh, Studios in Shorten, and I got a job there. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, John Squire, uh, he worked on Wind in the Willows, making models for Wow. Very successful it was. He was always into his art, John. I think he might have worked on Noddy. 
I'm not sure about that, but they made that there as well. Don't start that rumour. <laughs> he, got, he got this, uh, he said, Si, I've got to some work at Cosgrove Hall. So I said, yeah, great, yeah, working on Danger Mouse. Oh, brilliant. Wow. So I get there and I find out I've just got all day and my only job was to paint the pink inner ear of Danger Mouse on these cells, transparent cells that they used before it went digital. So you'd be doing hundreds of these, just pink the inner ear. So whenever I see a, a Danger Mouse show, <laughs> I always look as if it's one of my ears. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it would have to be of a sort of 1982, 83 vintage. How hilarious that you'll be pointing out that's one of my ears, that is. <laughs> People just thinking he's off again. But it's not It's not as good now um, since it went to America or whatever. No, it never is. No. No, the original one it. was great. Wasn't it good? Yeah. Yeah. But how great to work on Danger Mouse. And yeah, I think, it was. didn't Chris Seavey um, he did. work at Cosgrove Hall as well? He did. I don't remember him. Uh, Bernard Sumner from New Order. He was. All, he also worked there. Wow. But I think that was just before me because New Order had took off by 1980-odd. So, yeah, a lot of artists and music types. I bet that but, was a great place to work. Well, not really. I was just sat there, basically. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I lasted three weeks and got bored, and I tend to do this, you know, move from one thing to another. You know, it's, it's been one of my problems, you know. <laughs> Never stuck at anything. Well, but you could see it as a as a good thing. You know, you realise that it's not for you, and you move on. You know, some people stick at things for years and are miserable. That's at least, true. At least you've tried a million things. Yeah. <laughs> and one of them is painting Danger Mouse's inner ear. Yeah. Which oh, is yeah. great. I've had a few jobs, but yeah, it was okay while it lasted. For your three weeks. Yeah. Damo Suzuki was the lead singer of the band Can, a kraut rock band from Germany. I think he was from uh, Cologne. I say that because when I was in The Fall, Mark was a massive fan of him. The Fall did a song called I Am Damo Suzuki. And he came to the gig in Cologne and got on stage with us. Oh, wow. I think he's Japanese. Lovely lad. He played at the White Hart last year in Manchester, I think. You know that place in Cheetah Mill? Yeah. I think he played there. I was going to go. Last time I went there, I ruined my shoes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different story. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the fall were huge in Germany, weren't they? Why, they were. why was that? There was a lot of army bases there. Um, I don't know if that anything. We did have soldiers come to the gigs, but not that many. <laughs> <laughs> not, <laughs> I don't well, know. I don't know why it would be. No, but, what, yeah, it was a strange but, thing. But we spent more time there than anywhere Germany. Well, of course you did, because that's where you made your money. Yeah, Selling records, when you know, when we made money uh, with vinyl sales, yes. as opposed to playing live. But we go around there for three, four weeks at a time. You know, big tour, usually Easter and then September maybe. But we, we yeah, I, I like Germany, I love it. I love Germany, yeah. Way ahead of us, you know, with um, you know, saving the planet. Oh, recycling! Absolutely, they were all about. They were it all early. over it. They were yes before us. Yeah, I am Damo Suzuki. So I didn't play on the record. That was recorded before me. But it's really weird because the drums and the voice kind of slide over each other and go out of sync, which to, I hate that. You know, to me, it makes me feel, oh, God, that's, that's terrible. 
So I've just played it my way, and it was really exciting to play I Am Damo Suzuki live, the way I did it. Anyway, on the drums, they get really into it. You know, it's, it's really fast, and it builds, and it's, it's, it's a great song. So my next D, Jackie, is Darren Partington, ex-member of 808 State, Manchester electronic band, who I love, love to death. And Darren's... Daz, as I call him, he's, he's just a lovely lad. I was in a band with him called Big Unit. After I finished with Jessica and the Family Bazaar, ended up with him, and we had a, a you know good time for a couple of years. But he got waylaid for a while, and came back, and it was never the same again. A bit like Johnny did, you know. Although he had a totally new band then, of course. It was great fun. We did a few gigs with the Happy Mondays, in down in London and Kent and the Ritz in Manchester, one of my favourite venues, the Ritz. Ritz is great. Isn't it good? Yeah. Again, wooden floor. It makes a lot of difference, all that wood, even though there's not as much wood as there was once. Because it's just a nice size. Yeah, it is great, you know, to perform there. You can hear everything really good. That's all we did. We re- released a few singles back in the big bed. <laughs> and did you, did you write with... Darren. No, um, I didn't write now with them. I was kind of a latecomer right. to the band and uh, enjoyed it while it lasted. I kind of moved on to another band, you know, after that, when it sort of lost its thread a bit and joined the G.O.D., which I did for two or three years again. So I've constantly kind of kept on going and going and going, uh, even today, you know. But, uh, yeah, Darren, uh, he's, he's just a dead funny guy. He's got a very high-pitched voice that I love. <laughs> when he's talking, he gets excitable, it is. And I just love it. So good old Darren. OK, so we need a soundtrack to the letter D. What have you got? Well, I've got D Train, You're the One for Me, Electronic, Get the Message, Grooving with Mr Blow by Mr Blow, and Ian Jory, Hit me with your rhythm stick. And I've got slave to the rhythm, Grace Jones. This podcast was produced and edited by John. Post-production is by Carl Svensson at Tadar Media Limited. Music by Colin McGrath, Joe Brown, Johnny Smale and Simon Wollstonecroft. And the artwork is by Lee Dyer. This has been Funky Size, A to Z of Manchester. Manchester.